everyone. Welcome to the Glad to Podcast. I am Lauren Romo. With me, as always, is my cousin and fellow nerd, Andrea Gutierrez. What up? What's going on, Ange? Oh, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> you know, I'm a little nervous recording right now because it's so windy. I'm afraid we're going to get knocked out. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm looking outside the window and uh, yeah, it's kind of coming down, raining, a little wind. Uh, but that won't stop us from talking about the Mandalorian Chapter 11. We're going to dive into it in a minute. Uh, but if this is your first time listening to us, guys, welcome. We are a Star Wars podcast that discuss anything and everything within that galaxy far, far away. In each episode, we will dive into one or two topics and have a general discussion on them. Topics could be TVs, books, comics, a specific character, you name it. We talk about it. Andrea. Dank Farrick. <laughs> That's well said. <laughs> Dank Farrick, this is not the way. Oh man, what a what an episode. Um, oh man. Obviously, spoilers, guys. This is this is gonna we're gonna dive deep um into chapter eleven, the heiress of Mandalorian. So yeah, we're just gonna jump into it. So I'm gonna give a quick synopsis of the episode, and then we're gonna dive deep into uh I think some fun stuff that we have planned to talk about. So real quick, uh, yeah, how'd you ahead. feel about it? Like what was your overall reaction? I mean, I was fist pumping at 640 in the morning <laughs> when I watched it on Friday. So, yeah, I was jazzed, jazzed. What about you? Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I didn't get to do my normal, like take a little extended break at work and watch it at work. So I was kind of like stressed and tired about that. And uh, but when it got over with, I was like, dang, that's huge. You know, that's huge. Moving an animated character into live action is huge. Yeah, uh, especially that character. So uh, so let's just dive into it real quick. So the episode, Chapter 11, The Heiress, continues from Chapter 10. Uh, the Mandalorian was taking Frog Lady to the planet of Trask. I think is that what it is, Trask? Yes, is Trask. how you pronounce it, Trask. Taking her to see her uh, husband, Frogman, is, which is literally what it said. I know. On captions, which I, I hope love. it stays that way. <laughs> I do. I, I, yeah, I love it, too. I love it. So they get we get the uh, reunion that we were hoping for with those two. It was great, lovely, lovely. It was awesome. Yep, good stuff. Um, obviously, before that though, the landing that uh, Mandalorian did was fabulous too. Uh, before it was great. It was great. I got something to say about that. Yeah, what do you got? So number one, that was like my favorite part because the music was just intense and oh, absolutely music. amazing. But the heating up and then the dripping of the water from the controls. So I saw later that, so it's Bryce Dallas Howard that directed the episode, yep. correct? Yep. So if you watch the scene in Apollo 13, when it's dropping into the Earth's atmosphere, it is identical um, to that of what was happening in the beginning of chapter, what chapter are we on? Eleven. 11. So Bryce Dallas Howard, Ron Howard, her dad, awesome director, taking a little bit of um, his work and replicating it. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. And she confirmed that too. She yeah, confirmed she? that in a tweet. Yep. She confirmed that in a tweet that, that she did that specifically. So, nice. which is great. Yeah. It was great. That was great. So we get that scene. We get the frog reunion we want. So we eventually get caught up with the Quarren for the Mandalorian to find other Mandos. Uh, but again, as every turn he tries, they, people try to take his best car. So they try to take his best car uh, as they are on a boat. And who comes up to save him are the night owls themselves. But the some, night owls. But specifically, the leader of the night owls, Boca freaking Tan, shows up and kicks some major butt. And which is even better is that Katie Sackoff is the voice and is the actor who did Bo-Katan. It was fabulous. I flipped out. I had a feeling with the title that we were going to go that way, and my assumption was correct. I loved it. So, obviously, in this episode, you know, Mando finds out that he was part of a kind of cult, zealous uh, Mandalorian group. And yeah, the Children of the Watch. The Children of the Watch, which we're not sure if that means Death Part Watch. Part of the Death Watch, right. We, right, that's still, that's that's to be, I guess, to be determined still. Um, so he meets he meets these other true Mandalorians, but he doesn't feel they're Mandalorian because they take their helmets off. So um, he, he bounces and says, okay, yeah, I don't believe you. 
Um, then he's going back to town. He almost gets jumped by some more Quarren. In nice because, trench coats. In nice trench coats, yes. <laughs> well played. And again, Bogotan and the other two characters, Axe Woves and Koska Reeves, Reeves, who is Sasha Banks, which is her real name is Mercedes. And I know her last name starts with a V. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it is. But that's Sasha Banks' character. Uh, again, come to Mando's rescue, and then they tell him what's going on on the planet, which basically is the Trask is a port for the Imperials who are plundering and taking weapons from Mandalore. Uh, and so they want to take them back so they can take over Mandalore again. Mando helps him because Boktan tells him that he knows a Jedi, that she can lead him to uh, finding a Jedi, because that is his quest, as he keeps telling everybody. His quest. <laughs> He's been quested. He's been quested. That's what he says. I've been quested. I've been quested. This is his, this is like his favorite line of the season. So we, uh, we get to a, an Imperial freighter, which has a specific name. I can't remember it, but it starts with a G, I know. Um, but they go to this freighter and they, they are able to take it over with, uh, taking out some stormtroopers along the way. And then the head Imperial was going to crash the freighter, but they stopped him. But in the end, the big thing is that Bokutan tells the guy and asks him about the Darksaber. Does he have it? She says. And the guy says, if you're already asking, you already know. So, and she mentioned to Mando earlier that that the Imperials have something that was once hers. And obviously as fans, as hardcore fans, as you and I know, we know what that means. That's the Darksaber. We know what that, we know that that's, that's what she's wanting. So um, they take the the ship with all the weapons. Mando says, I can't join you. And she tells him to find, to go to the planet of the Cor... No, Corvus is the moon. Yeah, the planet, the forest planet of Corvus and then the city of Caledon. Caledon. And she says, there you will find Ahsoka Tano. And when she said that, I ascended. I became one with the force. (laughs) And I lost my, you know what? Like, I cannot believe that she actually physically mentioned Ahsoka Tano. Obviously, I had a feeling maybe because of what she said earlier in the episode, but she flat out said Ahsoka Tano. So that's where we're obviously eventually going to be heading to. So that was that was the episode, basically, in a nutshell. A lot of stuff. It was a shorter episode, but man, it was the pacing was great. The action was great. It had a lot of information in that short, like 30, 35 minutes that we got. So, I mean, wow, just just a lot to, lot to dive in, a lot to talk about, a lot to speculate about. So, um, Andrea, what were your, again, kind of thoughts after you watched the episode? Anything strike out to you or anything like that? You know, um, one, I was a tiny bit disappointed because of all the rumors that happened, we'll say during the off season of Mandalorian about Katie Sackhoff. Ahsoka Tano, Bo-Katan, all of that. So when it happened, it wasn't like, for me, like an out-of-body experience. It was like, okay, the, these rumors were true, but damn, this is That's pretty fair. cool. The more I watched it and the more I thought about it, it is such a huge moment uh, for live action Star Wars and for mainstream fans to really learn um, how large the universe is for us types of fans and all the information that goes along with it besides the movies and the TV shows. And I'm talking about the live action TV shows, just Mando that just happened. Cause there are a lot of people out there mm-hmm. that don't watch the animated shows. It was funny when I was leaving work saying I was going to go, uh, home and watch Mandalorian and maybe cry a little bit. Cause I had a feeling Ahsoka was going to get mentioned. They were like, Oh, why, why, why would you cry? Why is it such a big deal? And I was like, let me let me say this real quick. I go, if I say the word Ahsoka, <laughs> does it do anything for you? And they were like, no. And I was like, exactly. Like, because people just don't know yet. So it is huge. The other thing that cracked me up later talking to other people who aren't like us and them saying to me, this seriously cracked me up, Lauren. I couldn't <laughs> couldn't believe it. They were like, do you think Bo-Katan is like, a good guy or like a bad guy do you think like she's up to no good isn't that hilarious isn't that hilarious i love it i love it i, love I was it. like she's like as mandalorian as you can get and it i but i do love how 
that's the way new fans are thinking and that's their mindset in the show. They, their minds are gelling just like our minds gel, but in a different way. And that's cool. And then once they start to learn the pieces that all happened before all of this and what she really is, it's amazing. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. it's And it's very interesting, like you said, like the the fans that are kind of coming in through this show and you like you said, you taught you you've talked to people who aren't as hardcore as we are. They see the night owls. They see these Mandalorians that are taking their helmets off as villains, as the bad people, because they're seeing it through Din Djarin's lens. Yeah. Unlike fans like us who we have seen the Clone Wars. We have seen Rebels. We know these characters. We know that Bo-Katan is a true ruler of Mandalore. That, you know, her mission now is getting the Darksaber from Moff Gideon. And, recl- and reclaiming the... the Mandalore from Mandalore, whatever, yes. whatever state it's in right now. We're not well, 100% think, sure. So this is, so my theory. So let's let's just dive into this good stuff. So and we'll, we're going to talk about the Darksaber because it's a huge thing. Again, if you don't know what the Darksaber is, yeah. or Bo-Katan, we're going to dive into that in a minute. But when she said in the episode that, you know, we need to reclaim these weapons, basically, and go reclaim our homeland of Mandalore and then sit a rightful ruler of Mandalore there. I, in my head went, as I watched it and kind of hearing other people talk, my theory is that Moff Gideon has, obviously we know, has a Darksaber. I think he is in, I think where he's at is Mandalore. I think he's acting as a ruler of Mandalore because he has that Darksaber. I really, I believe that's what's going on. I believe that that's what Bo-Katan is trying to gather her forces and telling, like, Din, like, you know, they are trying to divide all Mandalorians. Doesn't matter if you're a child of the Watch or you were, you know, you you grew up in Mandalore. Mandalorians are stronger together. And that has been a huge thing for Bo-Katan throughout her entire arc, let alone in the series. So we know that this is a huge thing for Bo-Katan. And it's going to be a huge thing for Din because now he knows... That what maybe he thought was being a Mandalorian is, is not. It's it's not it's not truly the way. It's not truly the way. What do you what think about you, all that? What did you think when Din said that that planet is cursed? When he said Mandalore is cursed? Interesting. I mean, again, that is something that if he grew up the way he grew up and they are saying that because like, like Bo-Katan said, those... That type of Mandalorians, you know, left and were trying to go back to the ancient ways. They would say that that planet is cursed because because it's lost its way because it's not the true Mandalorian way of thinking. So again, that's how he grew up and knowing that you know Mandalore is, to his knowledge, a curse a cursed planet that people go and die, which is now fascinating I, too. It's fascinating. Now I find it interesting that Bo-Katan did say we're what you just said it we're better we're, we're stronger. stronger together yeah we're stronger together honestly the history we know of Mandalore is that it's always defi- divided into factions into different groups and they're always warring with each other so to, for her to even say that they're stronger together i would love to know when that moment was because what we know is they were always warring with each other besides when they were fighting against the jedi which we don't really know too much about that anyway but when they were ran as pacifists by Satine and there was Concord Dawn and there was, you know, Pre Vizsla out there trying to war against them. And then everything happened with Maul and the Shadow Collective. And then even after that, everything where all the houses split and Clan Ren and Gar Saxon and all of them, they were always at war with each other. So when was the moment when they were better together? Was it after? They freed Mandalore from the Empire and Bo-Katan was put into power, which we don't know anything about, to be honest. We don't know one thing about those moments. Yeah, I think it's good. I think that's where we're going to learn. And I think you're right. I think once the Empire fall fell and I think there well, I can't remember what it might have been. When was this mentioned? I, I uh, Now it's just coming to my head. But someone mentioned in a I don't know if it was an animated show. Or maybe in maybe it was in the in the Mandalorian that Bo-Katan was set as a ruler after the Empire fell of Mandalore. Do you remember there was I can't remember what show that was. What show was that? 
that got mentioned that she was after the empire fell she was by the jedi she was placed the ruler in like the person to run mandalore but what's weird was that, is, in, was that in clone wars like maybe it was clone but wars. it's weird like so what we kind of see at the end of season seven of clone wars where maul leaves and the siege, so the siege of mandalore happens mm-hmm. they capture maul ahsoka places looks like ahsoka places bo in control right but then we flash mm-hmm. forward to rebels mm-hmm. maul still has the dark saber technically the clans are at war with each other and mandalore is occupied by the empire so all of a sudden like and then Bo-Katan is just like out, like being part part of the night owls and all that stuff. Then Sabine comes back, unites the clans, frees Mandalore from the Empire. They use the weapon, and then Sabine passes the dark saber onto Bo-Katan. Then Bo-Katan right. rules Mandalore. Right. So she got like a chance to rule Mandalore after Maul, but then she lost it because the clans fought with each other and the Empire push their way into there yeah see that that is the piece of history i think that we don't know in between the siege of mandalore and up until i guess right now up until rebels there's right. two breaks we don't know the siege right. of mandalore to rebels right. but what we know is in between is that the empire ended up finding its way into mandalore and right. they right. assumed power through clan saxon and all of that crap. Right. So we have in between the Clone Wars to Rebels, and then we have Rebels to now. So yes. we don't know how exactly the, like you're saying, the government, the whatever of Mandalore went down, which is, again, I think this is what we're gonna going to be learning. I think you don't say these things in the show, especially when you call the show The Mandalorian, and, you're, and you don't deep dive into that lore, especially when you bring in Bo-Katan. Especially when you have the Darksaber. Those are key, key things to the Mandalore overall lore and the story. So yeah, you don't yeah, you you don't bring in those these type of characters, those types of artifacts if you don't plan on going to the planet of Mandalore. Something just dawned on me. What? When Ahsoka like left Bo and pretty much was like, This is your place to run now, it was still Mm -hmm. the Republic in that small little tiny moment. In the next tiny moment, it becomes the Empire, and that's why they pushed in and moved in. So she probably didn't even have a chance to rule Mandalore because... Properly, right. Properly, because the Empire probably pushed in really fast right after Order 66, and the Emperor was created. Right. So, and then also the thing about this, too, is that I love Bo-Katan's arc because, as you said before, in the Clone Wars, she actually was a part of Death Watch. She left her sister, went down the path of the Death Watch, and then realized, obviously, that that following them was not the true way and not the way to unite Mandalore. Because I really do think if you, you know, watching Bo-Katan's arc and what, you know, what her sister's death did to her, I think that when Satine died, you know, Bo-Katan saw and understood that, you know what, maybe what I was doing you know, joining Death Watch and all that stuff wasn't wasn't what I should be doing. And my sister was right as far as uniting all of Mandalore, because that's what Satine wanted all along. That's what she wanted. And she wanted to keep Mandalore together. She didn't want these these houses, these clans to separate and fight. She wanted to unite Mandalore. And that's what Bo-Katan, I think, is now 100 percent trying to do. So, you know, when she says, like, you know, we are stronger together. I think that's something that she is trying to maybe push that message out to any Mandalorian that she sees, whether they're a child of the Watch or um, or a true man, you know, or a Mandalorian from Mandalore or you know uh, Concordon or wherever. So it's it's amazing. I I love. I'm so happy they brought in Bo-Katan. Like you said, rumors we heard throughout the uh, the the off season, like you said, that Katie Sackoff was in there and that. You know, all uh, Ahsoka and everything like that. So yeah, did did it did it diminish the moment for me? It didn't, but it's cool to know that yeah, that was true. And now this opens up a, and opens the floodgates to so many possibilities of storytelling as far as where we could go. We could go to Mandalore. We could 
go down this whole path of, you know, now that Ahsoka is mentioned is in, in as is in play, that opens up a whole nother gateway of Sabine and Ezra. I mean, there's just so many possibilities that can happen with just this one character being introduced into the show. You know, I, it, I'm excited. I don't know about you, but this it, it is very exciting. Bonk. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> Sorry, I was on mute. Um, absolutely. You know, it was. Yeah. Bo-Katan was a part of the Death Watch. The Night Owls were actually an all female group within the Death Watch. And then when Maul like usurped, you know, that who did he kill? Pre Vizsla. And he took over mandalore that's when the night owls and some of the other factions inside the death watch watch like splintered off right right right? and then there was the shadow collective i mean it is a lot of information it really is and it crosses over a lot of different mediums as well timelines yep yep timelines all that stuff you know when we kind of we're about to break down like the history of the darksaber you go from shows to comic books to shows and now into live action tv it is a lot to keep up with and then there are these pockets of things that we just don't know about yet which is fascinating and to i mean really it's kind of new fun technology you know i know a lot of people are experiencing the dark saber for the first time and it still is new technology even for our, us as old fans because we didn't have a lot of access to the dark saber or knowledge around it it just kind of was this thing that was rare and that was there and that was used when you ruled mandalore so it is just really exciting to tie in books shows comics all together into one show favreau and filoni are doing an excellent job in bringing in all different types of star wars information into the show and making it accessible to new fans i think that is the best part it excites old fans it is intriguing new fans i think it's absolutely awesome yeah and i think the one thing that they're doing well is they're not oversaturating it with all these cameos like this cameo Bo-Katan it made sense because of what's going on with Din and what his quest is and where he's at in his story you know and then I mean not even to, I mean when we'll get to the we'll get to the dark saber in a minute but to speak on Din for a little bit you know this whole his whole world right now is probably upside down because one yeah. He he is so assured of that this is the way, is the true Mandalorian way, you know, and it's like you kind of mentioned, obviously, before that, you know, as fans that are going through Star Wars, through the Mandalorian, they don't know that that's really just one part of being a Mandalorian. And it's not even a true Mandalorian. Like Bo-Katan, when he said, you are not a Mandalorian, like, like where did you on. get your outfit? <laughs> When he told her, he's like, where did you get your armor? I was like, dude, dude. You're, gonna, you're about to get schooled by a girl that, first of all, should be ruling Mandalore. It yeah. is true, the true heir to the entire Mandalorian way of life. So, yeah, step off, son, because you are about to get schooled. I wish and you would have been like, this MF asking me where I got my armor. Right, like, right. just totally <laughs> like, are you kidding me? And it's great to see the difference, too. So. You know, the show is about a bounty hunter Mandalorian, right? There is two different things between a bounty hunter Mandalorian that has the armor, that has the gear, that can do these, you know, and bring in these people for his uh, for his wealth, for his money. There's a completely different Mandalorians that are soldiers that have been through war, like Bo-Katan. And you can tell that difference because you can see how well organized, how well structured Bo-Katan, Axe, and uh, Korska, what? I mean, they were organized. And you could tell the difference between, you know, Din as just this bounty hunter wearing, you know, that grew up in this different way of Mandalorian way. And you can tell the difference between that and a Mandalorian who has been through a heck of a lot, like Bo-Katan and the Night Owls and all that stuff. So that, to me, was fascinating to see, too. Um, and see those vast differences. So, you know, again, for Din, you ha- he's got to be like, all right, what what is going on? Like, I see all these Mandalorians taking their helmets off. You know, at the end of last season, all of these 
Mandalorians that he thought were like him took their took their armor off and left, possibly, or you know they died. We right. don't know that yet. We don't know. So again, his way of thinking has to start changing, and I think it will. That's the best part is that I think he will start seeing it more of Bo-Katan's way. And if you think about it timeline wise too, if he was part of the Children of the Watch, and we're assuming now this is this is my assumption that that's connected to Death Watch only because that's who saved him from the um, Separatist uh, invasion of his village, that Bo-Katan was there during that. So she might not know that that's Din Djarin, but she might have been there when he was growing up as a child of the Watch and going through all this, uh, as she said, religious uh, cult, zealous um, that this group a group of mandalorians were that's fascinating to me too i don't know about you oh yeah absolutely i mean when she said children of the watch yeah absolutely i was like the watch the death watch like is that what it is the death watch would go around and as they were saving planets they would acquire you know children i guess that's what they were doing um but we don't really know but i guess you know as the death watch moved on and the Empire took over Mandalore, they finally probably came to this moment when they were like, we need to go back to the old way. We need to go back to what we were and stay strong. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. where this is the way probably came from. And then that's also where they say the key to their survival is secrecy. That is the way to them. So yeah, it is completely fascinating. And I just love how people who only knew that way of the Mandalorian are now questioning the old way of the Mandalorian as maybe being villains or being bad. It's fascinating to me. Right, because again, as as hardcore fans as we are, we know what true Mandalorians are. Well, I mean, again, that's actually from a certain point of view. I mean, Din's point of view, he is a true Mandalorian. And then from obviously Bo-Katan's stand, she is obviously true Mandalorian, which I would argue that's way, you know, she's more right than him, obviously. But we know that. We know that as a hardcore fan. As these fans that are coming in through the show, they, like you said, they see these Mandalorians like Bo-Katan and, um, you know, like her crew as people that are not true Mandalorians. And it's and it's great to see. And it's just, it's fascinating to see because we knew, obviously, like we knew during season one, like, you know, he he's not taking his helmet off. You know, we we know that other Mandalorians do it all the time. So what's going on? So now that answer gets, you know, we have that answer now is because he grew up in this different way, this different uh, cult of, of, of Mandalorians. Again, it's fascinating stuff. I love, again, it's a small kind of small nugget of information, but the implications for me are huge because that just turns, you know, this whole you know, who am I really kind of identity crisis that Din is going through is very Star Wars. I mean, think of Luke, think of Ray, think of Anakin, like their whole, who am I supposed to be? Right. It's just so Star Wars. So this is, is, again, this adds to that type of layer of storytelling for me as well. So it's just, this episode did so much. Um, And then, again, we get more information on the Darksaber, you know, and how important it is. We know how important it is to the Mandalorian way of life. It's it's huge. So I know you got I know you got some stuff on the history of it, but I know, correct me if I'm wrong. So in Rebels, I this because I just watched this episode, Rebels, uh, during Sabine's trial of the Darksaber, Fen Rao goes into kind of the history of the Darksaber um a little bit. So it was pre Vizsla, I think was it uh was no, it the Tar-Vizla. guy's name? Tarvisla. Tarvisla. So how of house Vizsla. Yeah. Was the first Jedi, Mandalorian Jedi. Yes. So in his, his, his lightsaber was called the Darksaber. And then he, I don't know if it was after his death. I, I can't remember that part. Yeah. But then the house Vizsla reclaimed it, went to the Jedi temple, reclaimed it. Yeah. And then they used that, that lightsaber as a uh, symbol of taking, you know, being the being in charge of Mandalorian, the char- you know, the leader of the Mandalorian of Mandalore would have and wield this dark saber. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. I know. Now what other history do you got on it? Yeah. So Tarvisla, so he created it with a rare black Kyber crystal. 
So it's possible that that's why none have ever been duplicated before is because he was the only one to find this this dark kyber crystal. Yeah, after he died, the Jedi's locked it up inside the temple. I would love to know why. I would love to know either did he die of natural causes? How did he die? It's mm-hmm. not really clear like how he died. They lock it up in the temple. Later, the Mandalorians broke into the temple, stealing it back, um, using it to, you know, unite the houses and the clans, just like you said. Then a war between the Jedi and the Mandos broke out. But the details of the war between the Jedi and the Mandalorians has never been flushed out in canon. Nope. Nope, it's been yet. flushed out in Legends. You see it a little bit in, in the Knights of Old Republic. I'm not familiar with it whatsoever. Yeah, neither am I. Yeah, neither but the am details I. between the war between the Jedi and the Mandalorians is not really canon yet. It's canon that there was one. It's not really canon what happened during it. I guess I can say it that way. Right, right. No, that's true. That's true. A lot of the battles were on Malachor and even on Mandalore, um, pretty much leaving uh, Mandalore in ruins and the Jedi victorious. So the Mandalorians lost the battle to to the Jedi. But the Dark Saber, Saber stayed in ownership with House Vizsla, uh, the wielder pre-Vizsla, who was voiced by Jon Favreau in yep. The Clone Wars, who was head of the Death Watch. And he wanted to bring back the warrior culture to Mandalore because I'm guessing maybe after the Jedi you know, won the battle against the Mandalorians. They created new Mandalore or made them create new Mandalore where they became pacifists and they weren't dedicated to being warriors anymore. That was ran by uh, the Duchess Satine, who is also Bo-Katan's sister, also the love of Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you find any of these things that I'm saying interesting, please watch The Clone Wars because it is absolutely (laughs) fascinating. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. And... The you know then there was this this faction um called the Death Watch and it was ran by Pre Vizsla and they wanted to take Mandalore back and bring back the warrior culture. Mm-hmm. They ended up doing it with the help of Maul. Maul pretty much only wanted to do it because he wanted Kenobi to be mm-hmm. lured to Mandalore mm-hmm. so that he could kill him. So during all that time, this is what the dark saber is doing. Pre Vizsla has the dark saber. He teams up with Maul. They take back over Mandalore. Maul immediately challenges him to a trial by combat, kills him. Yep. He is now the owner of the Darksaber and has it. Maul has it. So this is where I get like all like, wait, where does it go now? Like Because you get kind of like spooked out like where it goes. So mm-hmm. in the Lawless, the episode The Lawless in the Clone Wars, was, which is absolutely my favorite mm-hmm. Clone Wars episode, you can watch that Very one good. on its own, and it's like watching a damn movie. It's so mm-hmm. freaking good. Mm-hmm. As Maul is taking over, Mandalore has a dark saber. Who shows up? My homeboy, yep. Yep. Darth Sidious, mm-hmm. Emperor Palpatine, because he's not emperor yet. Sorry, he can feel Ma- Maul's powers getting bigger. He wants to keep him in check, so he goes there and he fights Maul with Savage, his brother. Yep. With Savage oppressed, right? Sidious kills uh, Savage and he tells Maul that he has plans for him. What you don't know happens because it happens in a comic book is that mm-hmm. Palpatine then imprisons Maul. Then the Shadow Collective break Maul out from his capture and recover the Darksaber and give it back to Maul. So he still has the Darksaber. They're on Dothamir. This huge battle breaks out. Sidious and Dooku show up. They destroy the Night Sisters. Maul escapes. The Dark Saber stays on Dothmir, right? Yes, then, I believe that's correct. Yep. Yeah. Then flash forward into Rebels. If yep, dude. And then it gets it gets crazy. I can't even believe the Dark Saber shows up in Rebels. It blows my mind, like it's how so it shows good. up, right? <laughs> it's so good. Maul hooks up with Ezra, wants to make him an apprentice. They go to Dothamir because they're looking to complete this vision that they had together. And honestly, all this comes down to Kenobi. Maul just seriously wants to kill Kenobi every single time. And that's the reason he acquires Ezra to complete a vision to find out where Kenobi is. But anyway, they go to Dothamir. The Darksaber is there. A bunch of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Ezra um, takes the Darksaber, gives it to Sabine. Sabine doesn't want it. She gives mm-hmm. it to Kanan. Kanan mm-hmm. shows it to Fenrau. I mean, this is, this is, it bounces in Rebels a lot. And that's where I got confused because I always thought it just went to Sabine and then to Bo-Katan, but it didn't. So right. they train Sabine with it. She goes to Mandalore to patch things up with her family. 
Ursa Wren, Sabine's mom, ends up saying, you didn't fight Maul for that saber, so it's not really yours, and actually challenges her on wanting to be like this person that unites all the clans on Mandalore. That's how screwed up Mandalore was, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, they were always fighting with each other and challenging each other. Ursa Wren makes a deal with Gar Saxon, who's the dude that's in bed with the Imperials on Mandalore, saying, yep. I will give yep. you the Darksaber if you keep my daughter safe or if you don't harm her and blah, 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 whatever. So she, they, this big thing happens. Gar Saxon gets the Darksaber. And what does he do? He goes to kill Sabine's mom, goes to kill Ursa Wren. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden, Sabine's like, heck no, not going to happen. Not going to kill my mom. So she fights Gar Saxon, beats him. Then everybody believes that, yes, the Darksaber is Sabine Wren's. She should be the one to unite Mandalore and to lead it into victory over the Empire. Okay? Right. But Sabine did not want that responsibility. Like, she did not want that responsibility. She didn't want it. Absolutely not. She offers the Darksaber to... Or, shit, I almost said Satine. She, She offers the... Darksaber to Bo-Katan and initially Bo-Katan doesn't take it. She just does not believe that she is the one to lead the Mandalorians back to victory over the Empire. She said she was not her sister. That that time has passed her. Yeah. So in Rebels they have a battle. They relieve Mandalore from Imperial occupation. Bo-Katan was a huge part of it. Leading all the clans together. People were following her. Sabine presents the Darksaber to her again saying, you are the person to lead Mandalore again. It is your rightful place based off of who your sister was. Please take this Darksaber. She takes it. That's where it is. Boom. Yep. And then Mandalorian episode chapter eight happens, and we see (laughs) Moff Gideon have it at the end. And that's, again, where nerds like us freaked out because, again, the implications of is Bo-Katan alive at that point? Was Bo-Katan alive? How did he get it? And why did he want the Darksaber? And I think, again, the why is more important than the how. So why he wanted that, I think, is becoming, for me, more clear as he is, in my opinion, I think he is on Mandalore or in that in the Mandalorian system. And he has control over that entire uh, planet, that entire system right now. I think that's just my opinion, because that's why... He has a dark saber to show the people of Mandalore that listen, I have this. Just like just like Maul did, right? Maul did the same thing. He killed Gar. Uh, he killed Pre Vizsla to take over the dark saber to show his power to the people of Mandalore. And because because the Mandalorian people respect that dark saber because of the the symbolism of it and because of the importance of it, they respect whoever has that Darksaber. So that's my theory right now, as it stands after chapter 11, is that Gar- is that Moff Gideon has a Darksaber and he is currently occupying Mandalore. That's my, that's my theory. That's what I'm going with. Because it just makes sense as to why Bo-Katan in this episode is asking that, well, that why she asked that Imperial officer, does he have it? So she even knows, Bo-Katan even knows that Moff Gideon has it. So she knows what's going on. So I feel like that's why she is trying to rally any and all Mandalorian she sees, whether they are like Dinda Djarin and from the watch or from the old way. You know, like she said, they are Mandalore is always stronger together. And that's true. That's true about any, any, anything. The Jedi are stronger together. What, you know, you could say that about all of it. So that to me is why the Darksaber, A, is such an important thing to the Mandalorian culture and to and B to Bo-Katan specifically. And it ties in nicely with what, you know, with Moff Gideon having it. So again, the implications are going to be huge, 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 in my opinion. What do you think? Moff Gideon wear Beskar? It's a good question. I don't think he does. I think I was thinking about that the other day. And I think it's just the regular Imperial like Stormtrooper stuff. Kind of looks like Phasma but- stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, it could be higher quality for sure than like good Beskar. I mean, you never know, I guess. Again, who is Moff Gideon? Is he a former child of the Watch? Is he, you know, is he a former Mandalore? Mandalorian? Who knows? 
that, these are the questions that I think we should ask ourselves. And again, I think it's more of the why than the how. Like, how did he get it? Yeah, I want to know that. How did he get the Darksaber? But more importantly, why did he want that Darksaber? What was the purpose? Because the purpose, as we know, as you said in, in uh, the history of, of it, is the point of having that Darksaber is to control Mandalore and to control the Mandalorian culture. So that is, in my opinion, what he is doing and why he has that. Is he's controlling that portion of the galaxy for himself. That's just my opinion. Because as we know right now, the Empire has fallen and people are kind of doing their own thing. Obviously, they're still trying to follow, as the guy said in this in the uh, episode, long live the Empire. Yeah. So there's people that still believe in that. Yeah. Mop Gideon believes in it because that's what he said. So I think he is, again, reestablishing imperial dominance in Mandalore with having and getting the Darksaber. And that's why he has it. I know. What do you, what do you think about all that? I think you're right on. Absolutely. I, I can't wait to see like all of this flushed out because, you know, it kind of bothers me the last two times a couple of people were seeing like these episodes are filler. Like it's a TV show, bro. It's not a movie where you exactly. have to go, 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 exactly. go, go. There's things you have to uncover. There's like things you have to sew together layers, as well, too. Layers, There's yep, layers like yep. you have to allow a story to like unfold in this very like I'm going to use your word organic way. And I think that they're doing an excellent job at doing that with these first three episodes. I mean, the episode with the frog eggs <laughs> and the spiders, right, and all that right. stuff, you know, and in our recap of that. We really saw that whole episode as great character development. Like it was not a filler episode. It showed you who Din was becoming. It showed you what the baby was becoming. It showed you what the galaxy looked like. You know, these are things that have to have to happen. I think right. that right. Favreau and Filoni and the directors that they choose are doing an excellent job at doing that. The show yeah. is to me, it definitely is stronger than season one. Hands down. Yeah, no, see, this season has been way more solid. Not, I mean, again, not that season one was terrible, but again, season one, you got to establish stuff, right? You got to establish who Dindajarn is, what's what's going on, you know, what's the purpose of this kind of show? You know, what, what, what journey are we going on? Yeah, you also you know? have to kind of like make people relearn, like Yoda says, what they know about Mandalorians. So the fact that they brought Boba Fett back in just so that you can relearn what Boba Fett was just to know now how he was so not Mandalorian is awesome. I love that they're doing that. I love that they're bringing Boba Fett in just to show you that the rest of the galaxy and the existence of the Mandalorians was so much greater than just being someone that hunts down criminals in the galaxy. Right. No, exactly. And it shows that, you know, Boba Fett is... Again, as hardcore fans, we know that he's not a true Mandalorian. We know that. And you're seeing that through Din Djarin too. Like, you know, this bounty hunter who who believes he's a true Mandalorian. That's the difference, I think, obviously, between Din and Boba is that Boba, I don't think, ever really identified himself as a Mandalorian. I, I don't, Jangle Fett never did. Boba never did. But Din identifies himself as a true Mandalorian. But his whole, like I said earlier, like that, his whole philosophy is going to change. And I love seeing that. Again, this episode packed so much in so little time that there's the implications are going to be huge. It's just going to be huge. You know, so again, one of the moments that I, I freaking loved and I was I was not expecting was the mention of Ahsoka Tano and what this is going to mean moving forward. So, you know, obviously we know where she's at now. We know where she is, what we expect. Here's my thing. So next episode um, is one that Carl Weathers is directing. So I fully believe that we're going back to Navarro. We'll see Carl and um, that other character. We'll see them on uh, on that planet. I think that... Did you just say that other character? Yes, I did. I did say that other character. We ain't mentioning that. No, we don't mention. Nah. So we will go back to that planet. We will see those two characters again. And it makes sense because obviously the, the as as we know after this episode, the, the Razor Crest is totally messed up. 
And I love the running gag of the season so far of the Razor Crest just getting beat up all the time. I want it to continue. I love it because it's so Millennium Falcon-ish to me too. I was just like, you know, the ship that keeps on surviving. Dude, all the fishnets. <laughs> yeah. The fishnets inside of it was such a good touch. I love it. It was so good. So again, I think obviously he's going to go to Navarro. And I think I'm hoping obviously one or two things happens. Obviously they have, you know, he runs into um, his two old friends and they obviously have a mission. That's what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. But I hope one of the, one of the things I really hope happens is I hope he goes see the armorer again. And I want that conversation of, listen, dude, I've been out here trying to figure out this way that you've been telling me. And I'm being told by these other true Mandalorians, so to speak, that I can take my helmet off, that I'm part of this like cult, religious part of Mandalorian culture. What the heck? You know, I want that conversation to to happen. What about you? Would that be, I think it'd be very interesting. Yeah, I think it would be ideal. And then the other thing that I just learned the other day is, so the heavy Mandalorian that is in season one, that drops Mm -hmm. down in the Mm -hmm. episode where they helped in, in that battle on Navarro, yep. the yep. big heavy guy that drops down and says, this is the way he has a name and his name is Paz Vizla and he's voiced by John Favreau. He is Ooh, a descendant of a Vizla. He should know better that that's not the way. So I find it interesting that someone that does have history with House Vizla is starting to follow that way, that new Mandalorian way of not taking your helmet off, of staying in secrecy. I mean, I guess the purge must have been that bad to put a powerful house right, way exactly, down exactly. into hiding. Yeah, no, I mean, the that's, again, that's another thing, the purge. I, God, she, uh, Boca, Bo-Katan mentioned it. I want more of that. Again, you said it before in previous episodes, you know, this is a show called The Mandalorian. We need more Mandalorian lore explored and expounded upon and we're getting it and we're getting it in these tiny doses throughout the show. And I love it. Like this is, this is what I'm here for. This is star Wars. This is good stuff. And I really do believe, I didn't know that, but that, 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 that character had a name. So that's interesting. But again, Din Djarin grew up maybe in the same fashion that person did. So even though he's a pre Vizsla, he might not know that his, his, you know, grandparents or wherever. All right thought this way you know what i'm saying so you never know you just never know but that's what i want i want that conversation between him and the armorer and honestly i i do believe that at some point in this season dindajaran will take his helmet off freely and maybe it's in front of the child maybe maybe it's in front of his two you know his two friends who knows who knows but i think that you know it will be a point to where he is okay with you know, the removal of the helmet, but he still maybe feels that he is still a Mandalorian in some fashion. Just because he takes his helmet off doesn't mean that you're not, a you know, a Mandalorian at heart. And I think that's what he's learning. In, the child's ready for it. The child yeah. is ready for yeah. him to take his helmet off because when Bo and the Night Owls took their helmets off, he looked at, he looked at Din like, you're next, buddy. Take that thing off. <laughs> it was so cute. <laughs> right, right. Dude, and talk about the child getting kicked into that, that, uh, Oh, the the sea creature thing? Yeah, I can't remember dude. the name. That was crazy. That I guessed. I was like, <gasps> I couldn't believe yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, then- growth development for Baby Yoda, too. With watching the frog, um, watching the egg become a frog, and then he was petting it at the end. Again, yeah. growth development. We like to see it. I died when, there's a couple of places that I was like laughing, kind of hysterically, like just randomly. The one part where after Din, after bo tells him where Ahsoka Tano is, and you see him leave like the ship, he just like one, like one hops, like yeets himself yeah. off the ship. <laughs> I don't know why, but I was just like, that's such a great thing. I don't know why. That is so funny. And then the part where um, Din grabs the uh, the sea creature before it gets, uh, as they're leaving at the end of this episode, that like crab squid thing uh, is about to attack Baby Yoda. And he grabs it and the child just starts giggling and laughing. Like, I, I thought that was that was. That was good stuff, too. <laughs> Dude, the part where I lost it is when Din dropped off the child with the frog people. 
And the child presses his face up against the canister glass, staring at those eggs. It's such a child thing to do. It's such a kid thing to do. Right, like I right, imagine right. like looking out the car window and you just have your face pressed up against the window or like standing at the front door waiting your par- waiting for your parents to come home from work right, and you're just like right. face pressed up against. It <laughs> That's a good such point. A good touch. Like I that part cracks me up. I love it. Yeah, no, that was a good touch, too. That was a good touch, too. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, this is as short of an episode this was, man, the impact it's going to have moving forward. So, yeah, I mean, I know I know a lot of people are thinking maybe we'll see Ahsoka next episode. I don't think so. And here's my reasoning is because, well, one, I don't think we're going to get I don't think we were we're going to get to her that quickly. Like we're going to go from Bo-Katan to Ahsoka. I think they're going to kind of let us, you know, uh, take it all in an episode, let it marinate. And then we'll jump into her. Jump into I think he's going to go back to Tatooine to get his ship repaired. I think two things. Maybe he maybe. either is going to intentionally go back to Tatooine to get his ship repaired by Pelimoto, who I love. I want That's more of her true. in season two. So please. Mm-hmm. And maybe he runs into Boba Fett and we run into little issues. Or when he's flying in space, he always runs into trouble. Someone's always coming after him or checking to see what he's doing. He possibly might crash onto another planet or get led somewhere else. I Yeah, just like you said, he's not going straight to Ahsoka Tano. It's just not, It's I don't believe it's going to happen in the next episode. No, and again, so that, I mean, that's just one. But number two, the bigger thing is that Dave Filoni's episode that he wrote is not this one, but the next one. So. If anybody is going to write any type of dialogue for Ahsoka Tano or write a story that she's involved in, it's that guy and he deserves it. So it only makes sense that that's when it's going to happen is in that episode. Now, will it will she be in the entire episode? I don't know. We'll find out. But we will see her not this week, but next week. I think that's when it will happen. Now, will we see her again later on? Who knows? Who knows? Because obviously I feel like this this season is leading towards, you know, the Mandal- uh Din joining up with Bo and trying to get the Darksaber back from uh, Moff Gideon. I think that's where possibly this season is heading to. And I hope, honestly, there's now there's there's two characters that I want to have an interaction now with. And that's Bo-Katan and that's Cobb Van. I need those two. Wow. <laughs> Random. <laughs> because I just love, I want to see like Cobb Vanth meet Bo-Katan. I just want it. I don't know why. I ship it already. I don't, they're probably you not going to do it. I, I don't ship, ship it. Already. it. <laughs> I ship Listen. it already. Listen. I want, I want Bo-Katan and Cobb Vanth to meet. I think it'd be, I think You know how great. I ship Bo-Katan and Ahsoka? Okay. So when they're sitting in that bar and Din is like, I'm looking for a Jedi. And that one Mando looks over at Bo-Katan and like raises his eyebrows like, you know a Jedi. Like, like you know. <laughs> You're funny. You know a Jedi. That's She's true. your wife. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's theories and appearances. I like Dude, it. could you imagine if she would have been like, tell tell uh, Ahsoka that uh, her wife sent you. You know, yeah, that would have been, been funny. <laughs> Instead of folk dance, uh, yeah. uh, her boo sent sent me. So yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I do That's not ship confidence. Oh, come on. And Bo-Katan. I think it'd just be funny because I think he's so like just like the the cowboy and then he's gonna see her. I just think it'd be funny. That's oh my me. god. I think it'd just be great. Uh, listen, yeah, listen, I don't so this yeah. is I, okay. I wanna talk about a really weird theory that's been floating around. That Baby Yoda is Yoda. I don't like that theory. I've, you don't like I've that theory? That with the whole... The, the world between, between worlds? worlds? Nah, nah. Ahsoka no, sends him I, back. I, again, I don't think you do that in this show. Now, if you're talking Rebels live action, I could see it, maybe, because I think it makes more sense. I say in this do show, I don't, think, I don't think... If anything, that's going to be a clone because... Uh, a clone of Yoda, because obviously we know Yoda was familiar with Camino. Mm-hmm. So it's not that far fetched that you know talking to the 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 those people that maybe they thought of doing some type of cloning with for him with him whatever. 
who knows? That that's the only thing that I can think of if you kind of go down that, you know, baby Yoda's Yoda or whatever theory. Um, I still believe that he is just baby Yoda is just a species, uh, a young species of uh Yoda and that got found somehow, some way. And placed into the world between worlds and sent back. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a big one of that one, but I mean, it's a fun theory. It's a fun theory to think about. Totally fun theory to think about. So, um, all right. Last thoughts on this episode, though, Ange. I mean, anything pop up, uh, anything else that you want to mention? Anything that kind of, you know, stood out to you or anything? Um, the, I, mean, I liked the the Mon Calamari and the Corrin. I really liked that. I liked how the Corrin were jerks because if you read the comics, they are jerks. They yeah. are jerks. Um, so I really like that. I like how they portrayed them as, as kind of like pirates. I love their outfits. I love their sweaters. Um, my mom was saying <laughs> the how sweaters. they're like Irish cable knit, whatever. They had a name. She, you know, it was very impressive. Whoever is doing the wardrobe and, um, costume design oh, for nice. Mandalorian, yeah. you're doing yeah. a really great job. I think it is excellent. I mean, think you know. about I mean, when I saw Bo-Katan show up in that helmet, I was like, oh. Dude, it was right my on. My God. Yeah, it was, it was right on. Bottom. Katie Sackoff looks so good as Bo-Katan. Yeah, I it mean, was good. The, the, the headband, everything. It was perfection. It was perfection. It was great. And then I think what they really have stepped up, and you and I have talked about this before, is the flying of the Mandalorians <laughs> yeah. in this season. Outstanding. Outstanding. I mean, it has been 100% way better. Nothing wrong with what they did in the, in the last season, but they st- they have stepped it up, though, in this season as far as how they're showing the Mandalorians flying on their jetpack. I would also like to say that I am enjoying the music as well, too, more in the sec- yes. second up- yes, first yes, season. Yes, yes, because yes, in yes. the first season, I felt like the themes just were getting recycled through over and over again, which is fine. I mean, that's very Star Wars to do. But like I like I said, that moment where the Razor Crest was dropping into atmosphere and, and that music, it, um you know, it added an element of um like anxiety. It reminded me of like a Kevin Kiner moment in Clone mm-hmm. Wars and the Siege of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. It was really great. I loved it. So Ludwig doing an awesome job, too. Um, this season is great. Yeah, I think the the music, the one that caught my ear was when the Night Owls always appeared. Like it was just like this yeah. really kind of night. It was just it was great. I love that music that they like are are connecting to the night owls. It was good stuff. It was really good stuff. Yeah, the music's been great. I, I mean, even in the last episode, music was great. This episode, it was fabulous. So yeah, it's ten out of ten. I mean, this episode is probably one of my favorites for sure uh, out of the entire uh, uh, series so far. I'm going to be honest. When it first ended, I was, I think I was really tired from work and I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm not like super blown away yet. But the more I watched it, the more it marinated, um, it became a huge deal to me. So listen, yeah, do you think it, we got a, a, a one star review because we don't know where Boba Fett's armor came from? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. And it kind of just, we kind of overlooked the fact that it. <laughs> Probably Django Fett's armor. Probably, yeah. Oh, well, whatever. (laughs) Listen, people, we have other jobs, all right? This isn't our one job. I wish it was, but correct. I wish it was. We do the best we can. Every once in a while, we mess up and things just don't click with us. All of a sudden, a few weeks later, I was like, Lauren, dude, I'm pretty sure Boba's helmet is Django's helmet. And we just totally... Yep. lost that one yeah it's all right whatever it is what it is no one's perfect no one's perfect uh but yeah i mean great episode this is so far so good uh, i'm excited to see where they're gonna take this type of storyline now though do we see bo again i think we do um that's just my opinion whether it is in the end of this season or maybe in the future seasons well i don't know but i hope they i mean obviously there's rumors of a bo spinoff I want that now. I want to see it. I would love it. So give me all that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I got nothing else to say. I mean, it's a great episode. It was just a freaking great episode. It really was. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it. This is our uh, Mando season two, episode three, chapter 11, the heiress recap. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, you can follow this uh, episode 
and more episodes like this on um you can find us all on any pretty much any platform apple pod google play spotify podbean amazon podcast uh pretty much we're anywhere uh podcasts are we should be there if we're not tweet us let us know and we'll get onto that platform uh and then you can follow us on uh, social medias on twitter at the galactic pod um and then you can follow me lauren romo on instagram and twitter at low wrote nose you can follow me andrea gutierrez at r2d two step on twitter and as always guys may that force be with you always always Always.